It's a new day, yes it is! Welcome to the greatest podcast of all time, which is entitled The New Day. Feel the power. Oh, he had some more love. Wow. Don't shortchange me now. Don't short. Yeah, that was shortchange the kids. Shane Chorch? Shane Chorch? I was like, oh, they're talking. They didn't catch it. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am Xavier Woods. Oh, I'm Big E. That's, that's on me. That's on me. That's He's texting. He's texting over here. Him, because I thought, yeah, I'm not pulling up the run sheet. I'm pulling up the run sheet. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm Big E. My bad. Yeah. And I am Kofi Kingston. And we have a special guest today who's very near and dear to all of our hearts, a man who has been all around the world in the squared circles, been in TNA, ECW, WWE, New Japan, all over the place. A man who is a tag team technician, a man who has titles upon titles upon titles upon titles, and a man who I'm not sure <laughs> that I've ever seen anyone on the phone as much as him in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got Devon Dudley. Devon! What's going on? And then a data package. That unlimited data. They tried to take it away from us now. Grandfather in. Yeah, you got grandfathered in. Wait a minute. I'm not on the phone as much as y'all say or proclaim that I am. I'm only on the phone handling business, you know, business decisions, uh, business ventures, uh, 300 uh, business people, you know. <laughs> Why do you hit the B so hard yeah. in business, by the way? <laughs> because oh, I understand. Snap. I understand. Because he's a businessman. Let him handle his business. Damn! <laughs> <Business>. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for having me on, man. It's been Come a pleasure. On, man. I, yeah. You guys just took so damn long to bring me on your show. I mean, you've had it for how long? And then all of a sudden, now you're just having to bring me on. Hold the I hell mean, on, Yeah. I mean, you I'm know, just look. Just Kofi, started. Look, look, before we even get started, I said this before. I'm going to say it again. I'm not going to ruffle your feathers. I'm not going to say anything that's going to get the new day upset. Because understand one thing. Me and Bubba came back to the WWE after being gone for 10 years in that godforsaken other place called... Anyway, we were in this place. <laughs> we come back. We got introduced to the New Day. I'm all excited. I've seen you guys when I was in that other place. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to... Uh, Big E is thinking right now. And I just, you know, I figured this would be great. And then all of a sudden, you know, we came in. We made the debut. It was great. People going crazy. You know, we put Woods through the table. I did not know that later on, during our meetings, as time progressed, that I was going to be kicked the way I got kicked, slapped mm. in the back of the damn head the way I did. Mm. And I remember Hogan at WrestleMania 2 with Bundy when his sternum got crushed. 
And I, you know, I never thought that Big E would crush me <laughs> and make me want to come back to the ring with bandaged ribs. <laughs> oh, like looking like DDP, wow. DDP style. <laughs> Look, the splash is real, man. It's real. Oh, you ain't lying. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Hey, were you guys on the roster when we would get draws? By the t- no, no. Oh my Gurira? god! Yeah, no, I heard, I heard no, about him. I heard about it, but I wasn't around. Yeah, you want to explain what a draw is, Devon, for the people? Yeah, well, a draw. Well, back in the day, especially during the Attitude Era, and well, even beyond that, longer than that, uh, Brett Hogan and Andre, they didn't have. I mean, you had credit cards, but a lot of the boys couldn't get credit cards. So what they would do is that the company would lend you money, cash money, and that was called a draw. And they would put that towards your paycheck. And so it was great because when I remember in ECW, you know, we were getting like, say, $50, maybe 75 the most. But when you got to WWE, you were getting $200. And if you wanted more, then you would ask for more. But then, of course, when debit cards came about and everything, you know, started advancing with technology, now all of a sudden the drawers had kind of disappeared. But now the boys were actually having to save their money. And Lord knows I paid a couple of people's rent. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> That's crazy. So they used to let you get more than 200, huh? Yeah, if you asked for oh. it, they would give it to you. So that's funny because like, so I think they capped it off. This was like 2008 uh, to like 2012 or something like that. You could only get 200. And I remember Tony Gurria always saying like, oh, make sure that you take something so they know that you are here. Oh, okay. So then, by, you know, I, I don't, I don't go out. You know what I'm saying? So I'm taking like 200 or whatever. And then by the end of the, uh, the weekend, I have like this, like just pockets full of cash. I'm like, what am I doing with all this? And like, you know. <laughs> yep. But yeah, that's crazy. Let you get more. Oh yeah, like to me, when I was taking drawers, I thought I was like, I heard the stories about Gorilla Monsoon and how Gorilla Monsoon, when he would come to shows and things like that, you know, he, everybody, a lot of people don't know if they're not inside the business that Gorilla Monsoon was more than just a commentator. You know, he really worked behind the scenes with Vince. And Gorilla used to walk around with three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 in his pocket just to have it. That was just the way Gorilla was. And everybody knew that. So here it is. Every night I was trying to get a draw, making sure that I was trying to catch up to Gorilla Monsoon. And, well, that was dangerous because, of course, when you have money like that, plus it's the attitude era, two plus two don't necessarily equal four when you know well, – Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Y'all are wild. Yeah, Y'all are wild. Yeah. Man. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing, I remember telling Woods back in TNA, I said, man, I said, you would have fit it great in the Attitude Era. I said, you would have fit great. <laughs> I said, you and I, we are just alike in every way possible. I said, you and I would have gotten in so much trouble. Me, you, Batista, and Maven, Umanga. Oh my God, we were all just, it was like the Rat Pack, man, the way we were. I said, you could have been added to that and forget about it. Think about it, you'd have been in rehab, divorced. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember saying back to you, are you complimenting me right now? (laughs) 19 years old, like so confused. (laughs) I wanted to talk about that a little bit, actually. So yeah, so Devon, you and I met when when we were both at TNA. And aside from like the, the guys who trained me, uh, you're the first person that I ever like considered a mentor. Cause in my, in my time over there. So I 
was like 19 years old. I was still in college and then eventually like grad school. So I was just always studying over at the little, over at the little tables uh, next to that, the building that we weren't supposed to go into <laughs> the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. It was a, it was a yeah. weird place, everybody. Yeah, um, so I would just kind of study in this quiet area. But um, as you know, like I, so I, I didn't have a ton of friends. Uh, I wasn't like super, I guess like quote unquote, like over with, with like the boys, especially the older dudes, the vets. And so uh, when I ended up getting released, uh, I, Devon called me and he was like, he's just, you just explained to me, like, you know how I'm feeling. And I went into this whole tirade about like, I'm not good enough to like keep a job wrestling. So like, why should I send myself other places? Like I should just go ahead and like do school stuff and you know, just don't think about it anymore. I had my shot. I apparently wasn't good enough. I should just stop. And uh, you told me that if that's what I honestly wanted to do, then I should. But if I love wrestling and if I love wrestling as much as you think I love wrestling, I said, just send your stuff to WWE get back on the indies, bounce around, send yourself to WWE. It's going to work out. And so like, that's that like two hour conversation. One of the best conversations I've had in my life. Cause I was at, it was like at one of my lowest points and you were there for me to like pick me up off the ground, dust me off and say, no, go be somebody. And so I will forever be in your debt for that. And uh, it just kind of speaks to the kind of guy you are. No, you know, here it is a kid growing up in Brooklyn, New York, born and raised, like right, right down the block from the Boston Center. You know, mother had me, you know, at the age of 16, she was pregnant at 15, father sold drugs, was out there in the street, growing up in the projects, it was rough. So I know how it was growing up, not having anybody around to really give you, you know, the sense of how to survive and how to do things. And then walking up into this business, I wasn't a second generation wrestler, third generation, like some of the guys that come in. I basically learned by, you know, putting my trust in some people, and some people that got burned, you know, other people, you know, they were helpful, but they still had their own agenda. And I just remember, you know, saying to myself, and, and this is the God's honest truth, if I ever had the opportunity to help somebody, if I ever made it past where I was, that I was basically going to do the same and help them out the way I felt that I wanted to get helped out. And when I saw you, I saw the potential. I saw everything that you were doing. I loved the Apollo Creed gimmick that you were doing because it was based off the Rocky uh, movies. And my character is from Mr. T and Samuel L. Jackson. And so when I saw that, I remember seeing you in the costume and everything popped huge. And I remember coming to you and even reciting Mr. T skit, you know, because, you know, you were Apollo and all that. So to me, coming to you and doing that, that wasn't something that I felt that I had to do, but it was God sent. It was, you know, I, I'm a very biblical person in a sense where I feel God speaks to you and you have to open up your ears, open up your mind and be receptive. So when he speaks to you, you understand and you can pass on that knowledge to whoever he wants you to pass it on to. Just like he did in biblical times. you and I hit, I saw the respect. I saw everything that you were doing. And what impressed me the most was that not only were you in TNA and, and was as gifted as you was in the ring, but you were also gifted up here in the mind. You were studying you were doing what you had to do just in case this business didn't work out for you. And a lot of us don't do that. A lot of us just go, you know, head first into it and without thinking of what's going to happen. Well, you did that. And I remember telling you, go ahead and get your education. It'll come. Stick with it. Because I felt that TNA dropped the ball, not only with you, but with so many other people that came through those doors. But I knew, and I remember telling you, they're going to regret what they did. They don't know what they, 
what they had. And that old saying, you don't know what you had until it's gone. They realize it when you are on WWE with Kofi and Big E. And now all of a sudden, the new day is as popular as it is. Only if they would have done the right thing, not only with you, but with so much other talent, there's no telling what could have happened with that company. But my thing was, you, I know exactly what you were going through because I went through the same thing with that company. I had to fight and claw and to even get the television title because they thought Bubba was the Messiah. They thought Bubba was the guy that was going to take them to the promised land. Grant you, I'm not saying anything negative about him. I'm not saying his run was whatever. But what I'm saying is you got two guys that helped create history and did what we did in the WWE. And then we come there to help your company out. And now you're just going to pick and choose who you think is going to bring your company to the promised land. Well, I made them meet their words because not only did I drop some weight after letting it piled on after my first divorce, I basically got in the best room shape I possibly could be, get in and basically, you know, made them push me to the point where even Hogan, you know, defended me and, and went public and then everybody else in the company started doing it. So I knew exactly what you were going through. And there were so many times in TNA where I was just ready to quit and hand it up and said, you know what? I had my run in WWE, just go out like that. At some point, I had that voice speak to me and says, no, you're not done. You're not done. Keep it going. So when I saw you and I saw what they did to you, I knew. I knew I had to say something. Forever appreciate that. It's a, it's a man, lot. It's a testify. Lot. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many, not, there are just a bunch of stories that aren't the best of, of guys, Devon, who grew up in, in your generation who don't do that, who don't give back, who, who will kind of in many ways exploit young talent and trying to like use them to, to step on them to get to whatever rung they need to. So I know you're, you're humble about it, but like you, you help in, in such a vast way, you helped a man. And like, there's so many things that, that Woods has been able to do that I'm sure he still would have had the means and abilities to, to do many, but who knows how many doors wouldn't be open to him if you didn't, take him aside if you didn't have that heartfelt conversation. So it's really a testament to you because man, it's, it's, you're, you're a lot more rare than you probably should be in this business. So uh, salute to you on being someone, you know, uh, someone that we should look up to and they say, don't meet your heroes, but was got to meet his hero and you lived up to it, exceeded it. Yeah. And what's, what's even funnier about it is I'll tell the, the middle school story. Oh so, God. <laughs> so when I was in middle school, me and my buddy, Billy Fagan, Billy Fagan's mom took us to ECW shows in the Cobb County Civic Center. Uh, I, I always mess up. It may have been like, like a heat wave or November, like something, I don't know. Uh, something in like 98, maybe I gotta, I gotta find out what it was, but it was, um, it was anyway. in Georgia. Yeah. So oh, County, County, Georgia. And so the show's going great. Billy's mom has never seen ECW before, but we've somehow convinced her to take us to this place after the first <laughs> match. She was like, we need to leave now. <laughs> Y'all are in seventh grade. <laughs> we cannot be here. <laughs> and that's when the Dudley boys came out. And they had the mic and they were ripping into everyone in that building. It's a civic center, but it's packed. So people are like hanging from the rafters. You know how ECW was. Yeah, oh, Russell Palooza in 98. There we go. Okay. So the Deadly Boys start cutting a promo and we're sitting in like the first set of rafters on the second level. So we're right next to the edge. And I remember Bubba said, we could kick everybody's 
in this building. Who wants to fight? And the college kids behind us, like we were talking to them about wrestling, how we wanted to be wrestlers when we grew up. So they started up and they're like, these kids, these kids. So we're like, yeah. yeah. And Bubba said, the, the worst thing ever <laughs> to Billy's mom as she was about to leave and take us, like take us out of the building. He said something to her that fired her up and she went back and sat down. She got, I'm going to see these guys get their ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> Because like, as a kid, you know, even if a wrestler sits, tells you to shut up, you're like, oh, my God, this is so cool. But so in that situation, it was like a like a two minute back and forth between seventh grade me and and Devon. And so then for it to fast forward, for him to talk to me in that way and have that conversation and like save my wrestling life. And then to fast forward and we get to be in the ring and see the pyro hit and hear the Dudley Boys music go. And like you said, Devon, you guys came back, you put me through the table, which... <laughs> Oddly enough, I did the, the Devon table sell <laughs> where if you guys don't know this, Devon, well, can you explain it, D? You <laughs> I always thought that wrestlers who got hit should, especially when it was really good or, you know, look tragic. I thought there should have been some type of convulsion taken on, whether it was the arm, <laughs> whether it was the neck. And I think a lot of believable parts in back you know, in the 90s and things like that was the leg. Because you would see, even in movies, when somebody would, like Jason would come in and stab somebody in the stomach and lift them up, you would see the leg, you know, ooh. (laughs) 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 And uh, so I basically said to myself, I remember I was in ECW and I just said, hmm, what if I did that in the ring after New Jack would come in and hit me or when New Jack would jump out the balcony through a table. When he did that and my legs started shaking, I started getting people, I started looking around as I'm selling and people were popping like crazy. <laughs> oh my God, New Jack killed him. New Jack killed him. And from that point on, I said, it's all in the sell. It's all in how you sell it that will make the move that they do so impactful that they think they killed you. And that's exactly why I started doing it. So I started shaking the leg and and then all of a sudden when somebody would hit me with a chair, I guess they made it into a meme when I would start doing all of this and <laughs> shake and go back down. So yeah, yeah, between Jason and Roddy Roddy Piper, because Piper used to do it all the time. You know, when you would hit Piper, he'd go crazy. But I also remember though, I remember when Bubba and I, the first run, and uh, Piper came back when Hogan was under the mask and he was doing, um, I forgot the, the character that he played. Mr. America or something like that, uh, Piper came in to do a couple of things on SmackDown. And Piper was doing the old Piper cell. He would start jumping and shaking. And I remember people laughing because it looked so 1980s that nobody was believing it anymore. <laughs> and so I didn't do it again after that. Just going back to like talking about, you know, meeting your heroes and everything, because we had never met until you guys were coming for that SummerSlam. And then we briefly went to the trailer. I don't know if you guys remember, but we went to go just kind of talk about what we wanted to do and, you know, just meet. And for me, it was like, it was, it was just so cool because you guys are obviously innovators. We're talking about making history and you talk about, you know, you can't mention that without mentioning the ladder match and how you guys raised the bar and really honestly set the standard for what a ladder match is supposed to be like the expectation. You know what I'm saying? Like when we start thinking about ladder matches, we think back to like what you guys did, what you did with Bubba, with Edge and Christian, with the uh, Hardys. 
you know, and now we're trying to outdo that, you know, because you guys set the bar so high and it's always so hard being able to like, you know, so this is twofold, just being able to like meet you guys. And the fact that like, you know, you were so cool was like, oh man, this is awesome because like, you know, you guys did some, so, so many cool and influential things. And then we meet you in person and you guys are like cool in actual life too. So it's always just crazy. It's awesome when that happens. So I want to talk about like the ladder matches and stuff. So like, what was your guys' like thought process? Because they had average, there had obviously been ladder matches beforehand right. for you guys, but you guys just took it to a completely new level. And when you talk about ladder matches, you talk about you guys. What was your mindset in terms of like going into, I guess like the first, was the first one just a ladder match or was it a TLC match? Or? No, the first, it was a TLC match, but it was a, it was called, it was a ladder match, but it really was a TLC match because we used everything. I think when they told us about the ladder match at WrestleMania, uh, 16, you know, we were nervous as hell, number one, because it was our first WrestleMania. And not only that, but you had The Rock, you had Austin, Triple H, Big Show, Mick Foley. You had all of these names headlining that were huge names. And Rikishi, everybody, just everybody that was there at the time. And now all of a sudden, you know, you take the Hardys, you take Edge and Christian, you take the Dudleys, you know, us being so young and so hungry, it was almost like we wanted to be right there with those guys. We wanted to be with Austin and Rock and Triple H and all of them. And we wanted to show that we was just as hungry. And so when they said the ladder match, we were like, okay, fine. What can we do? And we all thought about Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. And that was like probably one of the best. And then all of a sudden we said, well, how can we duplicate that? How, or how can we be better than that? And so what we wanted to do was not only did we want to use the tables and the ladders and chairs, but we wanted to do it to where we just didn't want to put people through tables or hit them with chairs. Or put them we wanted it to mean something. We wanted to have a story, just like when we put matches together. We wanted everything to mean something. And we wanted like you know A to go with B, B to go with C, and so forth and so on. We all locked ourselves in the room and had like these ideas. Our thing was we knew that a story had to be told and it couldn't just be, you know, like a demolition derby, you know, crashing everything and doing it. It had to be told a story. And although we were so nervous, you know, doing that, uh, we basically just said, you know what, let's go out there, tell this story the way we feel it should be told and then go forward and, and, and start to do what we said we were going to be set to do. And that was still the show. Then they come to us again uh, four months later with SummerSlam. And that was the one that was called the TLC. And that was the one that was my favorite. That was the one I was hanging with Jeff Hardy, uh, 25 to 30 feet up in the air. And uh, I just remember, I remember saying to myself, why am I up here with Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> because everybody else was doing like bubble went through like five or six tables to the outside from the ring. Matt Hardy went backwards outside the ring through a table. So the only one that was left was me hanging with Jeff. As far as I'm concerned, before WrestleMania 17, I thought that was the best one out of them all. Uh, just because we were comfortable after the first one, we told an even bigger story. And I felt that the people really knew at that point that the Dudleys, Hardys, and the Edge and Christian, we were here to stay and we weren't going anywhere. And then WrestleMania 17 came. And we're sitting up there going, how the hell are we going to top 
the other two. It, I thought that one killed killed it all because not only did we tell the story, not only did it make sense of why we were using tables, ladders, and chairs with each blow, but we introduced Spike, we introduced Lita, we introduced you know Rhino, and the way it happened, it was like one surprise after the other, and uh, that was when uh, also Jeff was swinging back and forth. And Edge came in and speared him. Spear. Uh, yeah, off the ladder. So it was kind of just like, man, once those happened, it was like the, like all six of us, we took off from there. Some some in other directions, but the Hardys, Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, we were made at that point. Uh, you mentioned uh, the, uh, the Hardy Boys with uh, Michael Hayes. Did you, uh, was that your suggestion for him to wear one of those Hardy shirts? <laughs> rumor has it that that was your suggestion. <laughs> Listen, I told him that, you know, back in the 80s, which he was there, uh, you know, you, if, if you were if you were double X, you wore, and you wore large. Made you look like you had muscles. I guess he listened. <laughs> that was the only time Michael ever listened. <laughs> had, every time you would see him in the locker room, he'd try to, you know, mm. Hey, help, me, help me get it down. Help me get it down. <laughs> Hell yeah. And if you know Michael Hayes, you can only imagine what he used to do to get that shirt on. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of good uh, times back then. I bet. I got to say, one of my favorite iterations of Devon is Reverend Devon. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as, as someone who grew up in the church, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I enjoyed, because I think this was around the time... Like I grew up in the church and I think I was playing around with it. I don't know why we ended up talking about this, but I think I remember you telling me that when you would pass around the collection plate, y'all, you would have to, you would keep the money. And I was like, wow, I, I took my hat off to you. I would never even think like that's a good side hustle. But man, what a what a great character. <laughs> well, the, the great the great thing about the Reverend Devon character, I loved it. And I thought it was great. There were certain powers to be at that time that didn't. I remember Vince and I were doing so good with doing promos together and things like that. I would try to come to Vince and tell him what I was going to say, what scriptures I was going to use. And he would say, no, he would say, I want to feed off of you. He was like, I'm loving his character. It was almost like overnight the character went downhill and it really shouldn't have. You know, here it is. I'm wrestling with Cena. I'm wrestling with Orton. You know, we're working together with Batista. Hell, I went over on Triple H. I'm glad I retired before he can get the win back. <laughs> <laughs> you keep joking. You keep joking about coming back in that rumble. As soon as you put your name yeah, in, his name will be in there too. Yeah. His name will be in there too. <laughs> Listen, Vince said something the other day. I was just like, look, you retired me. I ain't coming back. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> but, you know, this is the great thing about social media. We didn't really have social media back then. It was around, but not on this level. And whenever people want to reach out to me or what have you, that's the one thing they say. Other than the TLC matches, me and Bubba, they always mention Reverend Devon. And why didn't that character go over the way it did? And I just tell them, I say it did. And I'm not shy to, to, to say how I feel about that uh, during that particular point in time. I know it was good. And uh, so does the fans. And again, they would not have, you know, still reaching out to me, those that remember, that would not have said it wasn't good because... You know, again, it was getting over. And then to come out with Batista uh, the way I did, that was even more. So, you know, it didn't work out, and that's okay. I mean, it was a bitter pill to swallow, but it is what it is. I moved on, and, you know, it is what it is. I don't know. Maybe the Reverend will come back with a new day. 
<laughs> if we don't see you on Halloween killing that gimmick, I'm gonna be real upset. Yeah, I'm gonna be real upset. Listen, I don't know if you know, I live in Florida, and in October it still can reach 100 degrees. So walking around on Halloween in a damn suit and a tie with a collection plate <laughs> that might not be the right move in Florida. <laughs> we could get some. We could use some short dress pants. <laughs> Look, just film me from the waist up. That's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so like, okay, so everything obviously we've talked about so far has been really like the, with like the tag stuff that you were talking about so eloquently. And then we jump into Reverend Devon. So I'm curious, did you feel any, any stress in that transition from being a tag team wrestler for so long and then jumping into like specifically singles competition? What was, what was there anything weird mentally for you there? Well, yes and no. I mean, because it is weird when you've been a tag team wrestler for so long. But when I first came into this business, unlike Bubba, Bubba always wanted to be in the tag team. I didn't. I always wanted to be singles. So even when I got to ECW and I was going to be part of the Dudley clan, I thought that eventually I would still be able to be Devon Dudley, you know, by himself and just, you know, um, work with the other guys. But they wound up putting me and Bubba together. So um, at that point, um, I, I just, I basically just kept on, um, going and going and going until the opportunity came and they asked me to do the Reverend Devon. Now, at first we were like, no, because of the fact that here it is, we felt that we were on a high, you know, and why mess it up? Why? But at the same token, I always said, you know, whatever the new gimmick is going to be you got to make sure it works because that's the only way you're going to get satisfaction when your career is over. If you ever could have done it in a singles, uh, by yourself. So when the opportunity came, I knew right away that especially with the Reverend Devon, because it was so close to home with my mom being a preacher, my dad being a preacher, I knew right away that this was the gimmick for me. So was it hard in a sense? Yes and no. When you're blown up in the ring, you can't tag out. <laughs> I think that was the only part that basically that I was fearful of. But for me to be scared to be in a singles, no. I wanted it. I felt very comfortable in the ring as Reverend Devon by myself without Bub. And then, you know, when things went, you know, array, then they um, put me with Ron. And that, like that was the best being with Farouk at that point. That, that was the best. I mean, it was like doom all over again. I loved it. And it was like the second coming to doom in my opinion. Ron might not have thought that, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> and that man, I mean, it was like, you know, with me, with, with Woods, Ron was there to help me during that whole Reverend Devon thing. It was almost like, he, you know, talked me off the ledge. Because they, they, I was ready to jump. And Ron and Rikishi were the ones that r really stopped it from happening. Ron told me, he says, you just go out there and continue to do your thing. And even when we were together, Ron made sure that I shined. You know, he wanted to make sure that, you know, I was going to be, you know, uh, how can you say, I was going to be on top of my game after the Reverend Devon thing. And uh, he did. And I'm not going to lie, when I got the phone call uh, that, Bubba and I was going to get back together. And I told Bubba this even on the phone that night. Um, I didn't want it. 
I didn't want it because I wanted to be singles. I wanted to give this a shot. I felt that I got shafted, but I look at it this way with everything that happened and however it went down, you know, we went on to create more history, Bub and I together and this and that, that will be the one thing in my career that I'm going to, you know, wish that I could have done better, but it is what it is. And I moved on from it. I think it's a testament though, too, to like, uh, number one, that mentality. I feel like a lot of people are not able to roll with the punches. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. if they're told that they're, you know how things are around here, like one minute you're doing something and then all of a sudden you're doing something else. You might've been brought up doing something and then you, you know, get to the main roster, you do something else. And the ability to be able to adapt, I think a lot of people have a hard time with that because you're so used to like, what is your comfort zone and what you want to do. And if you're getting an opportunity, like you need to capitalize on that opportunity. You know what I mean? So, you know, kudos to you for being able to do that because not everybody can, you know, there's a lot of stories of people who just, they won't embrace the the next thing, the next chance they're given, you know, and you forget Mm -hmm. that like TV time is so rare, you know, and the fact that you're actually going to get it, it is going to be, I mean, you know, not to, put ourselves over, but we didn't want to be what we were when we first came out, you know, but we were able to kind of like take that and adapt and adjust. And I think that like uh, that happens to a lot of people, you know, and it's those people who are able to make that adaptation and make that adjustment. Those are the ones who are like the most successful, you know? So just hearing like that from you is just like more just affirmation that, that that's like the right thing to do. I always thought that everything has an expiration date. That's one thing I've always said, everything, whether life, career, or what have you. And at that point, you know, although I felt it cheated with the Reverend Devon thing, I felt that maybe, you know, biblical speaking, that God just had something else for me in mind. That was a lesson that I needed to learn. That was something that I needed to go through. I feel every trial and tribulation that you might endure in your life, don't look at it as a downward spiral going down. Look at it as God is trying to tell you something. Although it might not be what we want, you know, and again, biblically speaking, you got to learn how to let go and let God and believe that he will take you where you need to be because he didn't bring you this far to leave you. And I personally believe that. I also believe that without him, the success, the little bit of success that I got with Reverend Devon would not have happened. And then to go from the singles career with Reverend Devon right back into with the Dudley boys and then be able to still create history, that's a testament right there. And to be voted as the greatest tag team in the history of his business at that time was, again, that was that was great because so many legendary tag teams back then had came before us, but yet the fans voted for that. And I was very happy and honored. I always said that the Road Warriors were better than us. And I say that with respect. And I know some people go like, no, no, no. But I say that because of the fact your childhood dream was to be able to meet like Woods and you guys said, your idol. So when I met the Road Warriors, when I met Hawk, I was like amazed and just how they treated us. And, you know, they were like, hell, you guys are doing a great job and this and that. Thank you for taking over where we left off. I was like, well, damn, you know, (laughs) I was like, that's great. But I remember Animal said to me, he goes, you have to do one thing in order to be better than us. And you have to go to Japan. You have to conquer Japan. You boys have yet to do that. And I said, you know something, you're right. So when the W's left the WWE in 2005, that's exactly where we went. We went to All Japan. We went to New Japan. And at that time, we were doing both New Japan, All Japan, and TNA. 
we were doing, we, I mean, we were burning the candles from both ends, going back and forth. Um, to me, we had to have done that in order to be, at that time, considered the greatest tag team at that time. And I think we did it. Um, although, if you ask Animal, he will say that the Dudley boys were all right. Uh, <laughs> 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 they say they're all right, but, you know, I love, I love Animal. You'll, you'll never get, the, you'll never yeah, get that real answer from Animal. But, you know, again, it is what it is. And um, I just feel that when the Reverend Devon didn't make it, he put me somewhere else where I needed to be. And, you know, now, you know, not only did I go through that, went through the trials and tribulations of TNA, I also came back to the WWE, got to work with the new generation, you know, with you guys, the Usos, you know, and so many others that, you know, it was, it was an honor. I mean, as much as an honor for you guys, it was an honor for me to be able to still be in there and hang with you guys. I mean, my body was beat up. <laughs> you know, just said, just leaving ECW for the five and a half years we were there, my body was beat up. How the hell did I was I able to do it in WWE? But again, we were young, we were hungry, we wanted it, and we did it. You know, moving forward now, coming back to the WWE with you guys, it was almost like Michael Jordan trying to come back with LeBron's era. You know, <laughs> to me, I think Michael Jordan was the greatest of all time. But at the same token, I don't think that Jordan can hang with LeBron right now. Just because every generation comes back bigger, stronger, and faster. Not to mention, when you guys used to hit me, I felt it. <laughs> now, hold on. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm, I'm okay, glad you said okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the thing is, so you, I'm glad I was going to say that, and I'm glad that you said that, Devon, and you mentioned Japan. And if anyone knows anything about wrestling in Japan, we talk about that strong style. I didn't want to disrespect <laughs> you. If I ever hit you too hard, it was out of respect. Okay, understand that, Devon. It was only out of respect. I would never disrespect you by hitting you soft. You just exactly. come off of Japan. You know? Right, right. Then what does animal, animal say? <laughs> yeah. Kofi, you, know? you are foolish. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, no, there's, there's evidence. I would have to say, like, one of my favorite moments in the ring with you guys has to be, and I think Woods was the first one to do this. This man... I can't remember where we were, but this man, the first time I saw it, I, I think I fell off the apron laughing because it was so, this man slapped you in the back of your head so hard. It was so loud. I, I can almost guarantee if you were in the parking lot, you would have heard it resonate arena to the parking lot. The way this man hit you and the way you turned around and reacted as this man was doubled over cackling was something I will never forget. I'll never forget it because it was so, I, even I thought it was too much. I thought it was too far. I thought he took it too far. There's a reason. There's a reason because the night before we figured out, okay, maybe we'll do this. And I'll, I'll, he's like, slap me in the back of the head. You know, it'll sound off. He's like, cause he's showing me like, Hey, this is a good spot to hit me. So I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, this is what you want. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So me being me, this is, this is my mentor. I finally get to like be on a tour with him. I'm so excited. I don't want to disrespect him. So like, I don't want to like tag him, which is a weird thing with like some, some people when they see veterans, it's like, oh, I, I got to play with even more kid gloves. Cause I don't want to like disrespect. And so I, I ended up like grazing him with my fingers. I like missed. <laughs> and so that night, right after the match, he pulled me aside and like in a very serious way, like, Hey, <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it. He's like, you got to get in there. And so Again, just like Kofi said, I'm thinking, okay, so he he needs this. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta give it. And I'm not going to get talked to again. You, you, te you tell me once, you don't have to tell me again. So the next night, I swung behind Devon 
and I saw the way that the lights in the arena were glistening <laughs> off the back of his, yes, the smoothest part of his head. It was almost blinding, but that gave me the perfect target. And as I'm so I, glad Kofi's cracking up right now. <laughs> and the torque in which I pulled my arm back, my right arm, my shoulder almost came off the socket because I was whipping it forward so fast. I heard the wind pass my ear. And as my hand connected with the back of his head, it was like a sonic boom in the sky. And I wasn't ready for it to be that loud. And that literally, like, I don't, I haven't had a more genuine reaction during a wrestling match than that. Because because the, the noise was was like crippling to my soul. I was crying, laughing instantly. And then I saw Devon looking at me and I knew, oh no. <laughs> you you do know, you do know I'm look bad. Finish your story. Well, well what I'm what I'm saying is that we had stuff we were gonna do, but Devon grabbed me and he goes, heat, and then just beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Woods, I'm looking at my wife oh, right no. now, and I'm looking at, you know, when you were a kid and um, you used to turn on the pay-per-view, and of course, there was like an hour left and a half an hour, then the time clock would come on, and it was the countdown until the pay-per-view came on. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm looking at my watch, counting down the moments where I might come out of retirement at that Royal Rumble, <laughs> and your number hits, and you're good, and you think you're safe, and then all of a sudden, the pyro hits. And it's on. Like, you wouldn't believe. I'm, I'm, I'm gunning for you. <laughs> but no matter, no matter what you do in that match, I'll know I deserve every bit of it. But just know, just know that the fear that I feel when my music hits, as soon as you hear that time to play the game, you know go. we get that win back. Get it back. Listen, get it back. Listen, if Hunter does get in the ring at that point, I'm eliminating myself. I'm just saying, so that way he don't have to eliminate me. <laughs> that way he don't have to eliminate me. I'm eliminating myself. <laughs> I was going to, you know what? And the funny thing about it was I was going to bring it up at the Hall of Fame in the speech because, you know, we, the Reverend Devon did come up. Bubba tried to make a little funny out of it. And I just want to go, hey, you know, as Bubba Ray Dudley, you know, who did you beat? I'm sorry. I beat Randy Orton. I beat uh, <laughs> uh, Batista, uh, John Cena. Oh, and did I forget the first, the man sitting right there in the front row with his beautiful wife, Stephanie McMahon? <laughs> yeah, Triple H. I was going to say it, but then if I would have, there would have been consequences. <laughs> Just saying. So I was not about to ruin that and have Vince put me back in the ring, courtesy of Hunter. <laughs> uh, well, that's when once you get back to the curtain they go uh, so we'll take that ring back thank you yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you sir <laughs> that, that was the one where you guys uh, it was a, the Hall of Fame was in the ring right was that the one no no that was, was oh, okay. no we, we were, that was the, um, I think that was New York right that was the one yeah, before was New York. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah no yeah, we, yeah, no, we were right. in New Orleans when we got inducted and you know we thought we were like well, wait a minute why are we getting in the, don't get me wrong I love the city of New Orleans but New York is our hometown. So uh, it was like, why didn't we go into the Hall of Fame in New York City? I can only imagine, you know, how that would have been. But, you know, listen, we're in the Hall of Fame. You know, there's, uh, you can't beat that at all. And again, little black kid from, from Brooklyn, New York in the projects, having a dream at, at the age of six, wanting to be a pro wrestler, watching Bob Backlund and Big John Studs going, telling my grandmother one day I was going to be there. And not only, you know, being there, but helping to create history. And not only that, but being in the WWE Hall of Fame, you can't beat that. Statistically speaking, the way I grew up, I should not, number one, be acting the way I'm acting. I should not be, you know, talking the way I talk or even, you know, having the values and everything that I have. But 
that's when I say that's wrong. That's, you know, the way of thinking that should not be given to those who grew up in that type of environment. You can do whatever you want to do. You have to put your mind to it. Regardless of how bad the situation is, you have to go out there and do it. If you fail to prepare, you're preparing to fail. And that's the bottom line. I made sure that I was going to make my grandmother and everybody else. But most importantly, I was going to make the twins, my boys, Terrence and Jarrell, extremely proud of me at that time. And then, of course, I added in some more Dudleys as the years went on. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but I just wanted to make sure that my legacy, you know, if I go tomorrow, I don't want people to sit here and to be sad. I don't want people to sit here and stop what they're doing. I want them to continue to go on through life. I told my kids, I said, if your father, you know, unfortunately passes unexpectedly and you're supposed to have a match or what have you, know this. I want you to continue to go on there, grieve later, but go out there and tear up the show. I said, because that's what I would have wanted. That's what I want. I want you to know that your father did it his way. And yeah, he might have stumbled along the way, but at the same token, your father was extremely successful. I should not have been where I am. But you know something? I said, that's a lie. I'm going to make sure that people know that where I came from and how I got out of it and how I overcome. Like there's, there's nothing else that can be said yeah. that's the strongest <laughs> message. <Yeah. laughs> yeah, there's, there's no more questions, sir. No more questions. <laughs> uh, so, Devon, thanks for spending this, uh, this hour with us, man. It's been oh, great. No, thank you, man. It's been great. You know, again, I, I can't say enough how proud I am of you three and, and what you've done. It was an honor and a privilege to work with you. Sometimes I see you guys go out there with the Usos and I swear I wish Bubba and I were right back in the square of things with you guys helping to create history. You know, the new Dudley's uh, Hardy's Edge and Christian would be the Dudley's New Day and the Usos. God, I wanted that so bad. But Bubba wanted to go single, so that up everything uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just said hey remember that conversation we had yeah my turn bye yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, man it was it was I, I i can't begin to tell you enough how fun it was and how i hold that dear to my heart and on youtube because i got nothing else but to go back and watch youtube for myself <laughs> but one of the things i watch to get myself going when i start working out is the um, comeback from the Dudleys when we came back and we did with you guys, you know, and it gets my workout going because it was such a special time and how we were able to listen, the three of you and, and, and me and Bubba, you know, we never touched, we never did anything, but we connected. Might not have been on the same pace as you guys. In other words, we probably were a little slower because we were older, <laughs> but I felt that we were still able to hold our own. And that was special for me. And again, if I died tomorrow, I'm happy because I accomplished everything I wanted to do. We did everything in WWE the first time, come back, hanging with you guys and, and, and everybody else. But, you know, again, meeting you, hanging out with you, and now being able to produce your matches, it's an honor and a privilege. The honor is ours. The honor yeah. is ours. Seriously. Seriously. Thank you, guess, Hey, testify. Testify. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> Yvonne, uh, where can they keep up with you on social media? All right. Well, I am on. Testify Devon on Instagram, Testify Devon on Twitter. I'm also um, have uh, the wrestling school in Winter Park, literally three minutes away from the Performance Center. It's Devon Dudley Academy. You can go on Instagram and Facebook. Please like us, come in. And 
if you want to be the next tag team, if you want to be that singles wrestler, then come on down to Winter Park. Come on down to Devon Dudley Academy. All the information is on the site. Sign up. And uh, maybe you could have your own entrance and be like the Dudleys or New Day. I'm sure that that would work. I'm telling you, because you know, as far as I'm concerned, I have to start getting the next generation ready to go and move on to create history. And if that's the case, then Devon Dudley Academy is where you ought to be. Hell of a commercial. Hell of a commercial. Uh, <laughs> one, 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 one thing I do want to say about if you decide to go train with Devon, I personally believe it is much harder to be a successful tag team unit than it is to be a singles wrestler. Because singles wrestler, you do what you want, when you want, your own schedule, all that's all that's done. You only have to answer one person. And a tag team, you have to be on the same exact wavelength as your partner, not just in matches, but putting them together. If you're, you're going to travel together, traveling together is very important because you're bouncing off ideas. So that means that your personalities have to be in sync and that all translate into your in-ring chemistry. So in order to learn things like that, you need someone who knows how to do that. So if you are looking to be in a tag team, you want to start as going to school with a friend, this is the kind of person that you would want to talk to. There's tons of great schools, but like for tag team specialists, like Devon is literally, literally one of the greatest in the world. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I've always said, if the person who is teaching you has never been to Monday Night Raw, has never been to SmackDown, has never been to WrestleMania, then why are you there? Go to a reputable school that's going to take you where you need to be, where you want to be. Because if they didn't make it, how the hell are they going to tell you how to make it? Mm, mm. That's the fact. Mm. <laughs> y'all, y'all follow him on socials, ladies and gentlemen. Devon Dudley. Thank Come you very on, much. Man. Appreciate you, Devon. Thank Sincerely, you. man. Yeah. Big D! Oh, thank you, guys. Big, Big, Big D! D. Hey! hey. <laughs> and we still got to get you versus uh, Ian NBA 2K on the up, up, down, down. Oh, you know? oh. oh. We'll get there. Listen, listen, listen. I can have my son. Okay, we can do it because you know if I if I hold on if I do it at the building, you know I, I'll get fired. You know, and I, <laughs> you know I'm the real East Slater. I got kids, so, but we can do it on our days off where we can go play online and try to hook up with one another. And I guarantee you, I'll come back on the show and tell you how I crushed Big E Whoa. in NBA 2K. That's just the way it is. So, E, the challenge is there. When you ready, you got my number, dog. Hit me up. I'm ready to take Jordan to the hoop on you and whatever team you have. Because why? Because I'm E, on the Oh, <laughs> look, 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 look. Oh, That's my. I'll play you. I never claimed to be very good. I only play career mode, but I'll, I'll play you. But when you talk about bringing in your son, don't be bringing in ringers. We're not doing that. We're not bringing it. It's you only. I want it. No, none of that. Well, no. When I said bring in my son, I meant bring him in to help me because this new technology and all this. Gear, I'm not I already make excuses. Yeah, he plays people freaking in, in, in Australia and things like that. I'm like, what the hell? And like, I, listen, the, the, the NBA game that I got in my game room, uh, NBA Jams, they put a thing in there now where you can actually play people online. And whoever's got the game, they can do it. So I'm just like, yes. So I call my son. I go, hey, come upstairs and hook me up to the internet. I don't know how to do none of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, we'll, we'll get all linked up for that. Kof, socials, what you got? 
Follow me at the true Kofi on the Instagram and at true Kofi on the Twitter. And you can follow me at Xavier Woods PhD on Instagram and Twitter. Catch me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Austin Creed. And on YouTube, go to up, up, down, down. So if we actually get this match set up, you'll see it there. Oh, boy. Preacher oh, versus preacher. Preacher <laughs> versus preacher. <laughs> follow me at WWE Biggie on Twitter and on Instagram. Also, you know, your boys on Cameo. I'm really running out of Cameo jokes. You know, I don't know. It's the same thing every week, man. I swear we're wrapping this, but... Last episode, did I see you reading your uh, cameo promo off your phone? <gasps> no. Wait, what do you mean? When you were no. talking about cameo last last uh, podcast, you think I wrote out a promo to read about cameo? <laughs> I, think, I think you did. You it, looked, it looked like it. It looked like no, it. No, I actually had two cameos in the hole, and I was trying to see like, hey, I do birthdays, quinceaneras, and actually I got, but then they were like pretty standard ones, so. I mean, okay. don't, don't make it weird. <laughs> okay, just make sure. Just make sure. <laughs> hey, big I, big, I feel you. I'm on Cameo, too. Hey. I got to do the same thing. Plug so your I'm Cameo, then. Yeah. I'm on Cameo. Yep. So I, I get it. I understand. And, you know, hey, when that, thing, when that little thing comes up and it says, you have a request, I'm like, yes. My babies get to eat again. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I just picked them at the table. They just hunger. <laughs> stomach pains. <laughs> Waiting on that cameo. <laughs> oh, you got to eat now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Eddie Murphy delirious when he was eating Tonka trunks. With some hot sauce, some, some Legos. I'm like, boy, see how I eat them damn Legos. <laughs> oh, that's the first thing they do cameos. Go ahead and get this cameo so Devon's kids can eat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, thanks, man. Uh, for everybody listening, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure to use hashtag New Day Pod to stay in the conversation. Throw Devon some love. Let him know uh, that you love hearing his voice and learning all these things about him. Tweet him, ladies and gentlemen. Also, make sure you tell your friends to subscribe to this podcast. Anywhere where they listen to their podcast, just go to that search bar and type in the New Day. It's a pink picture with three black guys' faces on it. Click it and subscribe. Even if you don't like us, that subscription's an automatic download. Also, go get our podcast t-shirt. You know you want our faces on your body. Go ahead and get it. Go ahead and spend that money to get these faces on your body. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. <laughs>